Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening session of Sunday the 4th of October 2009, entitled Jill Mansfield's Baptism, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 36. Here's Jill Mansfield and Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I was brought up Catholic and I went to a Catholic school and pretty much did as my mum and teachers told me to as regards religion. Um, when my mum took me to a Pentecostal church, my brothers got saved and baptised and I got baptised too um, after saying the sinner's prayer with the pastor and I thought I was saved but my life didn't change. It wasn't until my late teens that God convicted me of my sins and I repented and gave my life to God. I read my Bible and prayed, but got distracted by friends and temptations of the world and became backslidden. Thankfully, although I turned my back on God, he had his hand on me and brought me back to him. Although I love my friends, I always prayed for Christian friends and I thank God that he's brought me to Bethel and now I've got loads. So here I am, still a sinner but saved by the grace of God and in obedience to him being baptised. I'm going to tell you exactly the same thing I told you last Sunday. I'm not going to preach. Amen. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even have a message here. I didn't have one last week either. <laughs> but now there's uh, there's something special about when an individual comes to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. And of course, the thing is, is that. Oftentimes, there are those just like Jill that, for whatever reason in their lives, maybe it's done even with the best of intentions in all the world, they may just turn over a new leaf and get religious and start going to church. They may even say a sinner's prayer. But the truth is, nothing has ever changed in their life. What's the difference? What really makes the difference in an individual's life? I want to share with you here this evening why that, of course, Jill was baptized as a young girl after she had made a profession of faith. But as you've heard me say before, she went in the water a sinner and came out of the water a sinner. Baptism is something that is meant for believers once they have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and experienced what we call the new birth. There's often times, many times today in the media, in different places, and even in a lot of religious circles, that a lot of people make light or even make fun of the term born again. Oh, you're one of those born again Christians, huh? The truth is, is I want to read you a passage from God's Word this evening, and I just want to read this chapter to you, Then I want us just to look at the story that the Lord Jesus Christ Himself gives us there. And I know that there's a number of things that why Jill is here this evening to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. And of course, one is because it's commanded of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. She's doing it in obedience to His command. And of course, salvation itself does not need baptism to complete it. Salvation is complete solely and totally in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's all by grace. 
But the truth is, is that she's not only here to follow the Lord in obedience to that baptism this evening, she's also here to witness before you that her faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. That she openly wants you to know that she wants to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean that from this day forward that Jill's going to be the perfect Christian? She'll never make a mistake again. She'll never lose her temper. She'll never not only say a word, she'll never even have a thought that she shouldn't have. No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it means that she wants to openly say to you here this evening, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to do with my life. And I want you to, to know that, that I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian and a follower of Jesus. The Gospel of John chapter 3. The Word of God says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man, can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Does Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, 
because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. After these came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried, them, tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. And there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. They came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things unto his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him. There's a few things that I just want to point out to you this evening. First of all, as we look back and we look at this man called Nicodemus, we find that Nicodemus was an educated man. He was a ruler amongst the Jews. He was one that without any shadow of a doubt, was a very religious man. He did much of what he did, believing that all that he did was in the favor of God himself. He was not one that denied God. He was not one that wanted nothing to do with God. But you notice when Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ, that he came because he recognized, first of all, that there was something different about this one called Jesus. He wasn't just another teacher. He wasn't one that just had a lot of knowledge. But notice he said there in verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. 
He knew there was something different about Jesus. He knew that he was sent from God. He knew that his life that he lived and the things that he taught set him apart, that he had to be something different. And, of course, notice that it was Jesus himself that spoke to this religious man, undoubtedly a good man, a man that meant well, a man that thought he was a friend of God. And it was Jesus himself that said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Dick and Nicodemus, remember, he was a smart, educated man. But this was very confusing to him. He had never heard anything like this before. I mean, he'd been taught religion. He was a teacher himself. He was one of the rulers of the Jews. And yet he's scratching his head saying, what is this all about? This being born again? And he asked a question, how can a man be born again when he is old? I mean, I know all about babies being born, but how can an old man? be born again? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This doesn't make any sense to me. And of course, Jesus went to him and he said, Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Born of the water and of the Spirit. Born of woman and of the Spirit of God. Matter of fact, he goes on in the next verse to make absolutely clear that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, you know, there are very few things. I can look around this congregation this evening, and we're people from all different walks of life, with all different shades of skin, with all different kinds of backgrounds and things that we've come from that have made us and. And the truth is, there'd probably be very few things that I could say absolute certainly with 100% certainty that every one of us here this evening have in common. But I know at least two things without a shadow of a doubt that we all have in common this evening. First of all, we've all definitely been born of the flesh. <laughs> Anybody here not been born of the flesh this evening? <laughs> You're putting up a good front if you haven't. We've all, we've got that in common. We've experienced that first birth. We've been born of the flesh. But Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I know one other thing about all of us here this evening, and it's not quite as popular sometimes. And that's the fact that not only was each and every one of us been born in the flesh, but I know with absolute certainty, 100%, starting with this preacher, every one of us are sinners this evening. Every one of us are sinners. You say, oh, preacher, I'm a good person. I don't want to be called a sinner. Well, that's exactly what uh, uh, we read about later when the, the Bible says, uh, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. There's a big difference. You know, one of the hardest things for most of us to come to recognize is that we are sinners. It is natural for us. That which is born of the flesh, unfortunately, is flesh. And that which is born of the flesh is sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, every one of us. We find that 
It's not a question of what we do or don't do that makes us sinners or not sinners. Jesus told him again after he made this very clear that, look, there's two births that I'm talking about here. I'm talking about being born again, not of the flesh. You've already experienced that birth. But if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again of the Spirit. And of course, as we look there, he said in verse 7 again, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Of course, Nicodemus still doesn't understand these things. He asked another question in verse 9. How can these things be? What's this all about? Jesus said, are you a, a master of Israel? Are, are you literally one of the teachers of others in Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? And, of course, he goes on, and sometimes we find that as we read along that many times people say, oh, I believe in God. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And belief is one of the things that he talks about very much here. He says, if I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And, of course, he talks about no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven, Jesus Christ himself. He knows the heavenly things because he's the one that came from heaven in the first place. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, must be lifted up. Of course, again, Jesus telling them of the fact that he's going to have to be lifted up on that cross, that he's going to have to be uh, crucified upon that cross and shed his blood. Why? So that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Because unless he is lifted up on high, Nobody has a chance. But he wants everybody to have eternal life. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He said not only did the Bible teach us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but it says the wages of sin is death. There's only one payment for sin, death. The Bible tells us that it was when sin entered in that death came with it. God didn't create you and want you to die. God didn't want you to sin. But God gave you a choice to love him or not to love him. One of the great things that stands out in us, a verse that's used so many times in expressing God's love, when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, there's only one way to avoid the perishing. Because the verse not only says... For the wages of sin is death. But it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The fact is, God wants to give you life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How important. How important is it that he was God's begotten son, his only begotten son. You see, Jesus was different because he didn't inherit that sin that you and I did. He was begotten of God the Father. It was God the Father that was his Father. He was the only human that ever walked this earth that never sinned because not only was he 100% man, but he was 100% God because he was begotten of the Father himself. So people say, I believe in Jesus. Well, you know, the Bible says that the devils believe in Jesus so much that they tremble. But folks, 
they're not saved. They're not born again. It's one thing to know who he is. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you come to recognize him for who he is, the very son of God, God incarnate in the flesh, the one that had to die upon the cross, the one that did shed his blood as we have sung about tonight for our sins to be cleansed away. It's not just believing that he was a good man. It's not just believing that he was a good teacher. It's not just believing that he set the greatest example of anybody that ever walked the face of this earth. It's believing that he was begotten of the Father and that God loved us so much that he sent his Son to this world willingly to die upon a tree to shed his blood to pay for our sins so that our sins could be forgiven. Without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. It's impossible for sin to be dealt with without the blood sacrifice. We see the types all through the Bible. But Jesus Christ came, begotten of the Father, that if you would put your faith and trust in him, yes, believe him. Jesus just got through saying that he had to be lifted up on that tree. Jesus just got through saying that he was going to have to, to die that death upon that cross. That was necessary. Why? So that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life. That's what God wants for each and every one of us this evening. The Bible says that ye must be born again. You must not only experience that birth of the flesh that each of us have experienced this evening, but you must experience that spiritual birth. Now, the truth is, is there is absolutely nothing that you can do or I can do to cause us to be born spiritually. But Jesus Christ has done it all for you. You know, that's what he said that he was sending the Holy Spirit for, to reprove us. In other words, to convict us of our sin, that we could recognize and realize. Because the natural thing of us is just like he points out here. The natural thing is not to want to see it. I've shared with our church here in the past. You know, I can, I can remember when I was a young Christian, and, and, and yes, I genuinely loved God, and I was on fire for God, and, and I wanted to live for God. And, and Brother Peter, I thought, boy, how lucky my church was to have me. <laughs> a Christian that loved God so much that wanted to, to live for God. And, and, and I was serious. I wasn't, you know, trying to be big-headed or prideful or anything. And I thought, boy, you know, they're lucky to have me because <laughs> I'm really going to live for God. I'm really going to do something for the Lord. You know, it doesn't take us long. Now, I've used the illustration that really is kind of like what Jesus was talking about right here. Talk about, you know, the natural thing is that men don't want to come into the light because the light will show up our sin. I don't know of a human being alive. Don't think that you're any different if you don't feel good about your sin. <laughs> I don't know anybody that's ever thought, boy, this is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> I'm a sinner. The one that created me, I have sinned against him. And the truth is, is that as we become Christians, we're not careful. The old flesh still doesn't like to admit sin. I've shared the illustration that it's like, you know, it, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination. If you were to 
enter a, a long room and you're starting, you're starting at this end and you've got to get to the other end. And that's, that's your, that's your focal point that you've got to get to. And, and there's a light down there, but there's no light up here. And, and, and so you're making your way towards that light. Each and every one of us in this life, we're, we're on a path. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ himself is that light. And the reality is, is that the closer we get to the light, guess what? The more things show up. <laughs> you, ever, you ever maybe, you know, been wearing something that looked okay when you were in the dim light, and suddenly you got in the bright light and you had a spot or something on it that you hadn't noticed before because it shows up more when you get in the bright light. Well, the truth is with any of us, the closer that we get to the Lord Jesus Christ, the closer we get to the light, the more we're going to see of our unworthiness, of our sinfulness. And you see, many, many Christians don't grow. Why? Because they just want to stop. They don't want to get any closer to the light. They don't want to recognize and have to deal with the sin that's in their life. But the truth is that we must deal with it. And the truth is that if you keep maturing and if you keep growing, you're not going to realize more and more that you're better and better and better and better. You're going to feel out that you're, you're going to figure out that you're more unworthy and more unworthy all the time. The truth is, the closer we get to the light, though, the more of we see of our unworthiness as people, oh, but the more that we see of the Savior and His worthiness. Jesus Christ. You see, He went on that cross and died in my place. I can see my sins. He wasn't guilty of anything, but He died in my place. And I put all my faith and trust and hope. And you see, there is only one way. God wants to forgive you this evening. But you can never go in yourself and get that forgiveness. There is only one mediator. There is only one access. There is only one way to God the Father, and that's Jesus Christ himself. No man can get you there. No preacher, no priest, nobody else. Jesus Christ alone when we go through Jesus Christ, when we'll humble ourselves and ask for that forgiveness, not based upon how good that I'm going to be or how hard that I'm going to try, but based upon what Jesus Christ did for me. Listen, for God so loved the world. Put your name in there. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him to die a more horrific death than you can even begin to comprehend and imagine, to take upon himself the sins of the world, to take upon himself your sins, to die in your place. You see, I can't make it any more simple than that, but, you know, those words in themselves will never mean anything to you. But in your heart, when you come to recognize how much God really loves you, that God wants to give you the gift of life. He wants you to experience not just the one birth that you've already experienced. Each and every one of us have experienced that first birth unquestionably, but only some of us here this evening have experienced the new birth, the second birth, that one that Jesus, when he said you must be born again, that 
spiritual birth. And that's not because that, you know, you can look around and say, you know, well, you know, this person has experienced it because of this, that, or the other that they've done or not done. And no, it only comes one way through Jesus Christ himself. Jill had prayed a prayer when she was young. And she thought that she was doing the right thing, that she was a Christian. But the Bible says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not what you say with your mouth. It's what comes from within, within your heart. You see, it's not just having a head knowledge and saying, yes, I accept and believe that Jesus Christ was there. It's a heart knowledge. And believing him, he's the one that said, I've got to be lifted up. He's the one that said, you must be born again. You must experience Nicodemus. You've got all the religious facts, and you're a good man, and you're a ruler of others. But if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. There is absolutely no other way about it. Folks, the simple truth is we come face to face with Jesus Christ. It'll make a difference in our lives. And you've only got two choices. You can either receive or you can reject. There is nothing else. Receive him or reject him. You're either going to be his follower or you're going to be his enemy. There is no straddling the fence in this. Religion wasn't getting Nicodemus anywhere. He had to experience that new birth. Can you look at your heart and say, well, yes, I recognize. I recognize that I'm a sinner. My church has heard me say it so many times, they're probably sick of it. The truth is, is that the tiniest of sin, the tiniest of sin, you right here this evening, if you're the most moral, cleanest, smallest sinner that's ever been on the face of the earth, it was a sin of disobedience in the Garden of Eden that allowed sin to come in and along with it death. If God allowed you to see the kingdom of, of God, if he allowed you to enter into heaven with even the tiniest sin that's ever been committed, heaven would be no more. Because if sin entered in, death would go with it. There would be no heaven. So we find this evening that God wants to give you life and he wants you to live eternity in a place where nothing can destroy that life. And that place is heaven. But this evening, have you believed like the devils? Well, they knew who he was. <laughs> they knew who he was. They weren't believing on him and his finished work, though. The one that had to be lifted up on the cross and shed his blood. God wants to forgive you. And if you'll go to him and ask for forgiveness based upon what Jesus did for you, he will forgive you. You see, repentance is not about saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is about changing direction. You're going one way with your life. You can't follow the world and follow Jesus and be going in the same direction. Repentance is about turning away from the world and following Jesus Christ. You see, Jill saying to us here this evening that she wants to be a follower of Christ. Many, many, many times Jill's going to find that sometimes she may feel lonely. Sometimes she may feel that none of her friends understand. 
Sometimes she may feel like, and that's part of what being a part of a, of, of a church body is all about, that we're there for each other. You see, Jill is more than just a friend. She's family. And this part of being a family is sticking together and being there. Don't expect the world to understand. The world is one of those, just like he was talking about, they don't want the light because they don't want their sins to be shown up. Church, we have a responsibility here this evening as Jill follows the Lord in believers' baptism that we say to her, yes, we welcome you into our church family. And we're together in this. And we're going to walk together. And we're going to be there for each other. No matter what. We're going to support each other. We're going to pray for each other. When the devil's really beating you up and pounding you up and it's 3 o'clock a.m., you can call me. I'll be there. That's part of what family is all about. That's what God wants you to be part of his family this evening. He loved you so much that he paid the greatest price of all. Jill has shared her testimony with you this evening. Just changing religions didn't help her. Just saying a bunch of words didn't help her. There came a time in her heart when she recognized and admitted her sinfulness. And she wanted to turn from that sin and turn to Jesus Christ. When she put her faith and trust in him and his finished work to save her, her life didn't change the first time, but it did the second. That doesn't mean she hasn't faltered, and it doesn't mean that she won't falter. But it means we're there to help each other keep from faltering. Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. God knew we were going to need each other. You really get to feeling like you know that sometimes that you're all alone, that nobody understands. The truth is, is that Jesus Christ understands it all, and he's given you a family. Jill, this evening has come to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. We have a responsibility, church, to support her, to pray for her, to commit ourselves to her. And if you're here this evening, any of her friends and family, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way, that you wanting to have wanted to turn your back on the life of sin and follow Jesus Christ with your sin, that you've recognized that Jesus Christ and his sacrifice is the only way that your sins can be forgiven, then I can assure you there's nothing more that she wants for you this evening than for you to know the same Jesus as she does personally, to make that same commitment with your life, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We sang the song last Sunday, Though none go with me, still I will follow. The truth is, when you truly believe in your heart that much, that nothing else makes any difference, you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with yours. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord. Father, we've just tried to look at this simple account in Scripture of this one called Nicodemus. Lord, he was a smart man. He was a religious man. He was a man of influence in the community and all of these things. But yet he didn't understand the new birth. Jesus tried to explain to him that, well, this is not a matter of a fleshly birth. 
This is a spiritual birth. That's what Jesus Christ came for. God gave his son. Jesus Christ was lifted up on that cross to be the sacrifice for our sins. And Lord, we know that he paid for those sins because the third day he came out of that grave victorious. The sin debt had been paid. Death had no hold on him whatsoever. So, Father, we pray this evening. Lord, we pray for Jill. We pray that you'd be with her. We pray that you'd help her. We pray, Lord, that, Lord, this step of obedience here this evening will be something that will make her stronger and more committed than she's ever been in her Christian walk. And we pray, Lord, that it would be a witness to anyone here this evening. Lord, it is by your grace. It's because of your love and everyone here this evening, you've loved enough that Jesus Christ did what he did. They have a choice. They can have life or they can have death. Lord, there is nothing in between. But here this evening, I pray if they don't know that life, please help them, Lord. Please help them to understand it's by grace for each and every one of us. Help them to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.